guys. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Cheers. Been a while. Been a while. Been a while, the whole crew together. Okay, guys. Uh, welcome to the podcast. We're in the taco truck. I'm joined by an awesome crew. I am Logan from Tacolicious, Logan's Punch, Third Son, and uh, some other cool stuff. On my left is Alicia with an E. That's me. Hello. I'm Alicia, cocktail writer. <laughs> As we all are, I guess. And to my left is Kelvin. Hi, I'm Kelvin, uh, former China food tour guide and uh, creator of Street Kings, street food pop-ups. Cool. And to my left is Helena. Hi, uh, I'm the founder of Crimson Pangolin, a Chinese craft gin brand. And I've just launched a hard tea seltzer here in China called Jincha. Woo, Jincha! Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Okay, guys, so today we kind of have a very controversial topic for our crew. We're talking about the debate with no APV cocktails. The great no ABV debate, as yep. I like to call it. So for those at home that don't know what APV is, it means Alicia. ABV is alcohol ABV. ABV alcohol, alcohol by volume. By volume. And our conversation today is the pros and cons of ABV. So with a lot of us on like either selling booze spectrum or making booze spectrum in this chat, I think it'll be some interesting stuff to talk about. Uh, and for, let's see, for our gin maker here and our new uh, hard seltzer maker, mm. Helena, do you want to lead us off with what your thoughts on are on APV, no APV? Yeah, sure. I mean, I just, I mean, in my opinion, I don't really understand the market when it, when, when it comes to something like that. Like, I, I really feel that if you want to drink, if you don't want to drink alcohol, there's already a million other options. You can go the soda route, you can go fruit juice, you can do whatever, I mean, like, and the thing is... <laughs> The thing is with alcohol, people can say like, oh, you know, I, I really like the taste of alcohol, but I feel like no ABVs, they don't even really taste of alcohol that much. They, they definitely taste different. And I just, I don't really see the point in paying like 100 RMB for a bottle of, which is like 15 bucks, like a, for a bottle of like no spirit or like no ABV uh, spirit and for it to not do its, not do its job basically. I can see it. <laughs> I, I am so. I just have so much to say on this topic. Okay, okay. passing the spoon. Pass it to Cal Calvin first. Calvin, Calvin, go. what's your options? Your uh, okay, so personally, I don't really understand it. Similar to Elena, mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I just if I'm gonna go to a bar and I'm gonna spend a certain amount of money, I want alcohol in in my alcoholic beverage. Mm -hmm. But for example, my my sister, she doesn't drink. And for her, when I go to a bar with her or something like that, you know, she she can have Coca-Cola or like a soda anytime. So for her to try something new, like a no ABV cocktail or something like that, it's it's interesting. And then there's also people who used to drink and are trying to quit drinking. Uh, like you said, it doesn't really taste the same, but it's kind of like weaning off anything, right? Uh, you might not get the full sensation, but even that slightest feel of still drinking is good enough. So for them, it might be really appealing because they can at least still go out with their friends and feel like they're participating. So I'm very ambivalent on this. Like Personally, I don't really get it, but I also do see it from someone else's. There's a few points that I, um, why I kind of support no ABV and um, a few are 
some of it goes to some things we've talked about here. So customer choice, okay? Another is bartender creativity. And another is, um, uh, yeah, just basically comes down to like being able to drink even if you don't drink, okay? So which which thing would you guys like to start with? Uh, let's bartender creativity. Yeah, bartender creativity. Yeah. Okay, so when someone comes into a bar and they ask you for a non-alcoholic drink, like there are, I am someone who enjoys drinking, but I, even though I work in the industry, do not drink to the same level as a lot of my peers, I would say. Um, and it's not because I don't enjoy the experience, it's just because um, various reasons, like I get really bad hangover in our other episode about hangovers. Um, but, I, uh, and another thing is my husband, who you all know, he also doesn't drink, okay? So when you go to a bar, I think that when you ask a bartender, can I have a non-alcoholic drink, having a non-alcoholic spirit on the bar allow open opens up the process to the same creativity as it would as having a base spirit okay so it's just you're using a different base spirit to create a, a new kind of coffee. You can even make a signature drink menu that uh doesn't have alcohol um i actually worked on a, a book for a for a big hotel that's a big hotel that's a list of all non-alcoholic cocktails and like each one tells a story and like it's kind of interesting so so that's the hotel where the boring people stay (laughs) well i I think it's an option like in addition to the um you know a normal cocktail like here's something else uh you know the phrase what to drink when you're not drinking Um, but for sorry just one more thing uh with bartender creativity like i'm not a professional bartender obviously but um i i'm I I once was going to a brunch where I had a, there were a few people who I knew didn't drink uh, and I had a bottle of non-alcoholic spirit and I was making bloody marys for everyone um, and with the you know I had my vodka and I infused it with garlic and peppercorns and things like that and I did the same with the non-alcoholic spirit and then I made fresh bloody marys fresh tomato juice added all the spices and for the non-alcoholic people I gave them the same infused quote unquote, the friends who were drinking had the vodka based one and everyone was so into it and this was just this opportunity for people to feel like they could still participate in this nice kind of homemade drink but didn't have to get drunk like when they don't when they don't like imbibing basically yeah I mean I could see it's not really hard uh, to make a non-alcoholic Bloody Mary I mean you're just and it's all, especially if you're just infusing like water or whatever you want to do my issue is is with no APV actual brands, and the reason being is obviously there's no APV. If you're a car- bartender and you want to make a drink, okay, that's cool. You make a drink. But no, my my, my whole point is the pr- problem with these non-alcoholic beverage companies is it's still the price point is is the same price as a hard liquor as a as a cocktail. And as a bartender, you're pricing your drink out to match that. So if I'm pricing my drink out that's non-alcoholic, like if I'm doing a virgin mojito for example, which we all do. Mm-hmm. My virgin mojito is not the same price as a mojito, and that's because I'm not using any rum in it. Maybe I'm using more lime juice, or I'm using some different flavorings and ways to do it, but I'm not using any any no APV cocktail alcohol, or sorry, I don't want to say alcohol, but no APV uh, flavored water. 
distilled water. <laughs> I mean, distilled water is Dasani, basically. Distilled product. Distilled product, okay? So I think if the cost point was low, it's a lot easier to justify it. But considering right now the no APDs on our market in China are very high price points for what they are, it's hard to justify it. Like, you can make an amazing virgin cosmopolitan, which is blasphemy, but if it's still the same price as a regular cosmopolitan, then, you know, it, it's really tough. Like, if it's 20 RMB less, like, let's say my virgin menu is 60 kwai and my regular drink menu is 80 kwai, I don't get that. That's fair. But if it's the same price because you're paying the same price for the base distilled uh, liquid, then I feel like there is some kind of outrageous error going on there. But from but. my from my from my understanding, it's usually the people I hear complaining about this, like charging the same amount as a cocktail, blah blah blah. It's not the consumer; it's the bartender. Mm -hmm. And so, what th this kind of goes to my other point, which is we've talked many times about the guest is your guest, and they should be able to drink however they want. So if they want, you know, a fucking whiskey with Sprite and we think that's disgusting, you're still gonna give it to them because that's just what they like, right? And so if it, if the guest doesn't have a problem paying for it, then why do you have a problem asking them to pay for it? And and I, I think that when it comes to, it's really about what the guest wants. If they wanna pay for it, why, why do you care? Well, I think that's a good idea, but also I don't wanna buy that crap to sell it to my guests. It's just like I don't wanna buy inferior whiskeys to sell my guests, I still have the, I still have the the job to buy good stuff for my customers. Then yeah. they can mix it with Sprite or Coca-Cola, whatever they want to do, but I, I can stand behind the product mm -hmm. versus stuff like this, which I won't, wouldn't stand behind. Okay. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I was just going to say something, like riffing off what you were saying earlier about um, like people wanting to drink, but they can't because they're driving. Um, I just wanted to mention that like you know we're in China, and it has some of the strictest drink driving laws in the world where I think if you do a breathalyzer test, you can't even have had one drink. Like you can't, you can have zero alcohol in your system if you're driving. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the UK, in the UK, uh, where I come from, I think it's like one small to medium glass of wine you can have in your system and still be okay to drive if the police stop you and breathalyze you. And you won't be fine, they'll say, no, on your merry way. But I do think in China, that it's much more strict than that, and you can't. If the, any alcohol shows up on the breathalyzer test, then you're you're screwed, right? And you can't drive. Um, I'd be surprised if you could drive again for the rest of like a decade or something or whatever. So like, I can completely understand why people would kind of want to go to a bar and not drink. And maybe if they were drinking something that looked like a cocktail but wasn't a cocktail, you know, they could kind of get in with the experience and stuff. But I mean, yeah, I just I still don't see the point of like you know, why have it? Why have a why why have a seed lip when you can have a soda water? But, but what if, it, I guess it's, oh, Calvin, you go. Respect the spoon. I kind of forgot my point now. <laughs> I was going to back you up. Um, no, yeah, because it's, it, it's more of a, not a debate like we're no, trying to get no, points. No, 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 but no, I, I was just making a joke. But, uh, again, riffing off what you said earlier, uh, I, again, I personally, I kind of stand towards what Logan's saying, where I can't see myself paying for something like that. But... Also, you know, I don't really know the science behind this or anything like that, but I do know some people will say that they're allergic to alcohol. And, you know, for example, Which in Shanghai... It's very common in China it's, as well. it's Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very common out here. And for a city like Shanghai, where your day-to-day -day lifestyle heavily revolves around going to bars or going to restaurants where people will drink, it, at that point, if you're 
allergic to it. It's essentially a dietary restriction, which, for example, when I've done food pop-ups in the past, I, I cook a lot of foods with meat in it. And for someone like Alicia, who's vegan, it's always nice to have the ability to cook an interesting dish that's vegan, where you completely opt out of using your no normal go-to ingredients. So I think for a bartender, it's also, you have that same challenge to make a really interesting drink for someone, let's say, who's allergic to alcohol, where they can enjoy this drink the same way their friends do, and, you know, have a good time while everyone else is drinking. Whether or not they're willing to pay for it, that's a different argument, but just in general, feeling like you're participating, I think that goes a long way for a customer's experience. I would say, though, I'm, I'm jumping ahead because I'm the host. Uh, I would say, though, if you have a bartender that can't make a drink, a non-alcoholic drink that tastes good, probably don't have a good bartender. <laughs> if they're, if they're no, struggling, but, but a lot of them can. But a can't. very interesting one as yeah. well, you know? I would say the majority of the bars that I go to and you ask for something non-alcoholic, the options that you get are soda or juice. Yeah. And not for nothing, also, like, I don't drink a lot of regular soda or whatever. And mm -hmm. just, it, it's also, you can have these non-alcoholic spirits without, like, a, a ton of sugar as well. And... I think the the thing is just it I think for a lot of bartenders it can't it can open up creativity because you there are people who just like can't think outside that box like I need a base spirit I need a base spirit and I build my drink around it right and so if you have you have this new base quote unquote spirit you're still able to kind of use the same thing so there are some bars that like they specialize in really creative homemade syrups, homemade bitters, you know, uh, different like tinctures and shrubs and things like that. And they can still utilize all of that without having to have a base of juice or a base of just soda. And um, yes, I believe you should be able to make a delicious non-alcoholic drink without a base spirit as well. I do, I think that, and I, and I support that as well. But a lot of places, it just come, they just don't know how. And I think that it can, help open up bartender thinking a little bit. Okay, so Helena, you do a lot of different uh, gin-based and alcohol-based events all over the country of China. Mm. So I think you, out of all of us, have seen not just Shanghai, but I want to say, and I think everybody here will agree, she sees a lot of stuff we don't get to see. Mm -hmm. Like We have our little bubble that we live in. So for you, like, what are your thoughts? Like, you were just, where were you last, your last event? Yeah, so last week I was in Chengdu, actually. And I had, I had two events there. And um, there was a couple on the day who I was serving. And, and one of them said, uh, I'm driving. I'm driving. I want a gin tonic. But I don't want an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, so you just want a tonic water then. <laughs> and, you know, like, I was, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm repping my brand. So obviously, like, I, I want to support the customer as much as, my, as much as I can. But, you know, I'm not going to be very enthused about make, creating a drink that's not, that doesn't have my, my own gin in it. So, um, you know, I said to the bartender, I was like, oh, you want something from an alcoholic? Can you make something for him? And to be honest, I think they just offered him, like, soda and juice, basically. Um, and that was it. So it's, I mean, it just, it just goes back to, to, um, to what Alicia was saying, you know, just sort of saying that there's no, uh, there's, there's no real sort of knowledge around like no ABV spirits here, because I think people just, the, the, the market's not there yet, basically. There's a lot of stuff 
that is happening in the West right now that here the market is just not ready for. Um, another one is actually like super low calorie um, seltzers as well. Like that's really like, I mean, there's a few that are, that are kind of like bubbling up in the market, mm -hmm. but it hasn't reached that kind of like, uh, that point of hysteria that it has in the States and Europe, for example. So there's a lot of things here that do kind of take time. Um, and I think that this, this no ABV trend is probably gonna be one of them. Yeah, I mean, but what kind of fun would it be going to a bar, having no ABV with all your friends? You can't even justify having a drunken hookup. <laughs> yeah. You're just calling McDonald's because you were hungry lot, at 3 a.m.? Like, you can justify. That's true, but that's what my husband's like, you know? And I mean, I Well, work. he's already married. You can't be single. <laughs> yeah. It's justified. But it's already this done. This becomes the argument of being, like, sober and, like, well, not just sober, but someone who doesn't drink versus someone who does drink. Yeah. We're arguing from the perspective of people who do drink, but then there's a lot of people who don't drink, and for them, you know what Alicia was saying earlier, when they do something very creative with the drink, that goes a long way for those people in terms of their experience at a bar. Okay, yes. so and would we say it like this then from a business point of view? Those people that don't drink, if you corner the non-drinking people's market, do they have the income to be at your bar enough to make it worthwhile for your time? Versus if I'm selling one drink, I know my cost on a drink, versus a non-alcoholic drink, who am, I, who am I getting the better return from? This is the business point of view, right? Right. Who am I getting a better point of view for? If I'm getting a bunch of people that aren't drinking, let's say, for example, pregnant women that want to go out, like a hen do or something like that, which is completely fair and they're not supposed to drink. And I, we've all had those nights where pregnant women come up and they go, oh, I, I want to, it's on my girlfriend's birthday, whatever, let's have drinks. And you want to make them something. And of course, and you don't want too sugary or whatever, but they're going to have one or two. They're not going like hard versus somebody having shots and bottles. You're actually going to be selling more because it's alcohol, right? It does have those kind of qualities to it. So, I mean, yes, there is a very good merit to not selling hard liquor to people. Or when I say hard liquor, I mean distilled alcoholic spirit. But at the same time, is there a certain level where it balances out where you're making the same income per customer or generating the same revenue? Or is there a revenue drop from those customers? But I, I guess you could say that about any kind of dietary restriction though. Now it's like, is it worth it for me to have vegetarian food? Should I have any gluten-free options? Should I have something without onions? Because Buddhists don't eat onions, you know? I mean, and I think that as someone in the hospitality industry, you kind of always try to please everyone if you can, right. even, even if it's not the number one, like most important thing for your bottom line. I think that it does come down to hospitality sometimes. Well, and, I think with this, like what you're saying, we have something in China called zero, yeah. which is yeah. a, a, a plant-based protein that's a pork substitute, mm -hmm. right? So it's not pork, but it has, it's supposed to be the same as pork. Obviously the mouthfeel is different. You could cook with it, you could do stuff with it. So I think this is an apt analogy to it, right? Yes. Um, I, we know the process, it's, it's a lot of work to do it, and plant-based proteins are being huge everywhere. It's a big trend coming up. So I feel like we're still charging the same amount we charge for uh, zero, zero like nachos versus our meat nachos. I think it's like a five RMB difference, mm -hmm. but still we're still charging for the the actual nacho chips we have to make, the cheese sauce we have to do, all that yada yada, and yes. the zero is still expensive. Yeah. So I think that's where we're coming from. You're saying you want to please the guests. Some guests obviously dietary restrictions, uh, religious restrictions, which is all fine. Yeah. So I think with this kind of stuff, it's kind of in the same wheelhouse, right? It's absolutely in the same wheelhouse, and so if you're willing, I mean, this brings me back, if you're willing to pay for a product like Zero, well, there's no actual meat in it. A lot of people, like, from your perspective, people would be like, well, I don't want to pay for it, 
there's not actually any meat, right? But as a vegetarian, I'm more than, I, I would never expect my food to just be less money because it doesn't have meat. And I know that right now, as these things are kind of up and coming, the process is expensive and, and you need to, you often pay more. I mean, so there's like a local burger chain here that we sometimes get a Beyond Burger, right? The Beyond Burger is 75 RMB and their normal burger is like 40. And we just accept that we have to pay more for it. But with a non-alcoholic spirit, it's not always, it is more, yes, than, than some of kind of your mid-level shelf. But but it's, it's not as much as quite a lot of nicer spirits. And this goes back to kind of understanding the production process where so many people are like, I don't want to serve flavored water. Well, it takes, like, these are actually distilled products. It takes time, like, they still use botanicals. They still use, you know, um, some brands use fruits and vegetables, things like that, and, like, really, like, probably the same, if not more, perhaps, number of botanicals as, say, you use in Crimson, Pangolin, Helena. And they go through the same process, but then there's a step to take out the alcohol, right? And, and you guys are sitting here saying, like, well, why should we pay for that shit? But they're going through that same whole long process to produce a product but then just because it doesn't have alcohol we say well there's that's not valuable and well, I mean you can buy a really expensive juice or a really expensive like sparkling wine like a non-alcoholic sparkling wine and you're like oh but it uses these wonderful apples or grapes or whatever you know so for me like I don't I don't get it it's the same kind of work going in I could say the huge difference is zero feeds you you're full afterwards versus non-alcoholic spirits like that you're still but that's you, you. Just, no that's everybody you're not getting drunk you're just having a water but with, with flavor okay right? but then it but then it goes to a debate do you have to get drunk for a drink to be valuable but for food to fill you up yes that's where you're getting your value but, but a non-drinker something that's missing here in this analogy is like what people actually do in their food side because one thing that's missing is is somebody somebody who doesn't drink how much time are they actually going to spend in a bar do you know what? I, why would you go to like? Why would you go to a bar regularly and not drink? Is my question. Like, why would you go to a gym and not not use the weights? So that's what bars are for, right? Like, why would you? Why oh, would you do that? But like, isn't a bar also to hang out with your friends? So there's, there's people, other places you can do that. Yeah, right? but but most of, but most like a lot of people who don't drink, their friends drink. Okay, so like for those at home, what is the process of distillation, like Helena, at your place, what yeah. do you guys do? So, so basically we have, uh, in my factory, we have a thousand liter still. Uh, we have a big uh, tank that basically, like, there's a very, very high ABV alcohol in there. Um, and you basically, like, uh, you, um, you, you, put, you put a lot of alcohol in it, basically. So then it'll be, um, so it'll be junipers, it'll be, uh, obviously, if you're making dinner with junipers, it might be lemon peel, it might be coriander seeds, it might be peppercorns, it could be like roots, like orris root, angelica root, basically like anything that you want to throw into a gym uh, alongside juniper, you can you put in the tank. If something's a bit more fresh, like a leaf, uh, then you put it uh, or a flower, you put it higher up in the higher up in the column, uh, so it doesn't get bitter and burned. Uh, and then at the end of uh, after it's all been distilled, you end up with like a very very high ABV spirit that's generally speaking would be like between sixty five and seventy five uh, ABV or something like that. Um, and then what you would do is um, after the whole distillation process, you'd then add purified water to bring it down to your desired ABV uh, ABV percentage, which is normally for gin about like anything between thirty five and forty five, and it can go up to fifty two, fifty eight for an ABV strength. Um, but uh, yeah, that's basically the process. 
but from something that's a non-alcoholic spirit, um, I wouldn't know how to do that. I would. I've never. I would. I've never done anything like that. So I'd be interested to to hear from some. So I think Alicia could uh, maybe fact check me on this, but I imagine the process to make a distilled non-alcoholic uh, flavored water would be something like almost you make the alcohol, then you still out the alcohol itself. And the way there's a couple ways to do that, but I would imagine the process is almost uh, similar to making a decaf coffee and versus. You roast the beans, you do everything, but there is a process to get out the ca the caffeine. Obviously, there's a little bit of caffeine left in decaffeinated beans, but it's not the, it's a, the metaphor is kind of close to what I want it to be. And I know Alicia is ready with facts and no pants. Yeah, um, as always. And so when you're making a non-alcoholic product, spirit thing, however we want to call it, um, it, it starts off with a similar process, obviously, because these non-alcoholic spirits do begin with alcohol because there are a couple things. A lot of them don't have sugar, right? Some of them don't have sugar, some do. Um, and of course they don't have alcohol in the end, which are two like major flavor carriers. So some of these don't have sugar and some do. And of course, none of them have any alcohol, right? And alcohol, both alcohol and sugar are ma major carriers of flavor, you know, um, for a spirit or whatever. So that's this new challenge we're making when it comes to producing a spirit. So making a non-alcoholic spirit actually can take a lot longer than making a, a regular spirit, depending on what it is, obviously, because uh, it comes down to the maceration process. So any botanicals or flavorings that you're using, the mas maceration process has to be much longer so that you get maximum flavor since in the end, you're not going to be using sugar or alcohol to help carry over that flavor. So after after maceration of the botanicals, um, then it, you know, the, you're going to then do a process to distill out that alcohol, you know? So the boiling points of water and alcohol are different, obviously, so you boil to a certain point, get out the alcohol, and then you are left with a new product, and then you use that to actually like continue and distill again. Um, and after that, there's like a, fil a filtration process, clarification process, and you end up with the final product. So some of these can, actually take like a month to produce a batch because of that long maceration process and um you know so it is kind of still like a different kind of labor of love and I still think a, a craft process um and ultimately I think what Helena said is right like maybe not everyone knows about it here yet and but non-alcoholic spirits are like is a rapidly growing market in the rest of the world and I think that's why some of these kind of like well-known bartenders like Eric Lawrence and stuff like that are getting behind them and making drinks and being part of some of these brands recipe books and stuff like that because they do have customers asking for these kind of things and they are at like these world's 50 best bars and stuff and you come in you have guests coming in who want that experience and they want to you know see what the bar is like and whatever but maybe they just don't want to drink. I have to I say, like, so, sorry, like, no, I have no, no, to no, say, no. like, I think, I think you are actually kind of turning me around to this. <laughs> right. I'm not going to lie, like, now that you actually did explain, like, what a craft it is, uh -huh. okay, I actually have this newfound respect for it now, you know, I'm like, oh, okay, actually that, because it's a, something like, a, you know, a, a non-alcoholic ABV, right, you just, you, 
a lot of people have in their mind, oh, it's just a flavored water. Mm -hmm. It's like a squash or it's like a, uh, I don't know, like a cordial, uh, whatever yeah. you want to call it, right? A lot of people have that impression of it and it's just marked as like a non-alcoholic spirit. But actually now you've explained, explained the process, I kind of, I get what you're talking about, actually. Like I kind of, and and some it. And some of these brands really try, I mean, we mm. haven't been talking much naming brands specifically because we don't want too much love or mm. too much hate on either side but the one that I know quite a bit about I mean all of the botanical like their their primary botanical for each bottle is something that's grown on their family farm and oh. then they have like a logo that's made from all different like it's in the shape of an animal that's found I on the farm. Which brand you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and, ma and made up from all all different ingredients like that are grown on their family farm. And yeah. the like the the guy who runs it, like his family were farmers, and he like worked in branding, and then they came together to do these these things. And I actually I think it's really cool. And I gained like even if you if you want to make like a something really flavorful and crazy and non-alcoholic yourself, right? Like, I wrote up, um, I once wrote up a recipe for a non-alcoholic homemade aperitif. Um, and, and the process is crazy. It's hours. I mean, you have to use wormwood tea and a fruit tea and then some kind of flower tea. And it was like all these different things. And then you come out with basically uh, an Aperol, right? And it's way easier to, like, for, <laughs> I don't know, to pull a bottle of Aperol off the shelf or to make this product on your own. So I think that um, No ABV, whether homemade or purchased from, you know, a big company, are kind of, like, limitless at this point. And there's a lot of creativity that can be applied. Um, I think, you know, based on what we've said so far today, one of the biggest setbacks for a few of us is the pricing, right? Like, it's why would you pay so much for something that has no alcohol versus something that does have alcohol? But again, bringing back the people who don't drink, it, it's a lot easier to swallow knowing this process, which is why I wanted to, you to go into it. For because sure, yeah. knowing all of this, you it, it kind of justifies the fact that you're paying this much for a product because a lot of labor and a lot of work actually goes into it. So, yeah. Well, I still think it's stupid. <laughs> I just flat out think it's dumb. I don't care how much labor you put into bad art, it's still bad art. Um, and that's a very, very profound fact I'm saying. I think the huge difference is with zero, like I said earlier, the huge difference is that you leave feeling full with a non-alcoholic like that, you're just leaving but as you're a nerd. Well, because <laughs> well, otherwise it's a 20 minute soliloquy. We have to go quick, we have to go quick. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's dumb, I'm not gonna be bringing it up to my customers. I feel like when people here ask for non-meat options, we always have them. They want a non-alcoholic option, I'm always happy to, to do something. But I'm not gonna bend over backwards. I don't know if it'll pick up in China. I don't see a reason why it should. Uh, World's 50 Best Bars are fantastic, but they're not the day-to-day -day that we live with. Uh, and I feel like, in general, it's just I'd rather focus on something uh, a little bit more palatable in terms of uh, what I want to serve for non-alcoholics. I do believe in low APB cocktails, 100%. I think those are amazing. Different conversation. But I do not think that uh, I'd be switched. Even though I admire what they do, I don't appreciate what it is. Mm. Closing I, thoughts, Elena. Yeah, so my closing thoughts are, like, I thought they were kind of stupid to begin with. But actually, hearing Elise talk about them so passionately, I, I kind of feel like I'm, I might have changed my mind. And Would you ever make one? Uh, no, not in China. <laughs> I, I, no. Okay, so you haven't changed. No. I, well, I mean, I, maybe I have more appreciation for them. 
but I yeah, I don't think I would ever make one. I think it's gonna blow up in China. There are so many yeah. people here who don't but there's so many people here who really don't drink. And or you know, I, okay. So like I said before, I'm not I'm not a full time bartender by any means. But I've never done a pop up, a shift at a bar, or a guest shift where someone hasn't asked me for something non alcoholic. Yeah. And um, I think that this is this is the market where I hear it more than ever. And I think that it could really yeah. Maybe you're hearing about because obviously if there's a market where there one there if you have a business where there was a market that you could make up that makes sense. It really if you have ever spent any time making drinks with a non-alcoholic spirit and how many have you actually tried i made drinks with a non-alcoholic spirit i tried them i thought they were all boring <laughs> Fair I, enough. I, Fair I, was enough. Like, I was like super bored so i was playing with water i was like i can just play with rose water all day and it's the same effect <laughs> like i'm not gonna have shots with my friends of non-alcoholics and i think that well you're missing the point of a bar which is people go there for camaraderie and fun time but don't you always give my husband a, a shot of Soda when so we he come can join to us, the yeah, bar, so he just, can join us, right? Well, that's just your husband. He's the, he's the exception to the rule. And the reason why, because he's awesome. Yeah. Everybody gets one. There's always a couple cool French people in the room. <laughs> okay, guys, oh, closing no. thoughts, everybody. There's always a lot of cool French people. Don't hate me, France. Oh, I, I had one little... Uh, I know you did, but Kelvin, what do you have? Well, my closing thoughts are just... I, I, I haven't really changed my mind on this. Like, personally, I wouldn't go out of my way to try it. If it's there, if I'm at someone's house and they have it, I'll try it because I think it's interesting and I do have an appreciation for all the work they've put into it. Would I buy a bottle myself? No, never. I don't... I wouldn't buy a bottle myself no. either. Yeah. No. Okay, and Alicia, I think, had a, wants to close this on a funny note, so hit us up, Alicia. Yeah, I think that the final really great thing about <laughs> some kind of non-alcoholic tipple is that when you have really really drunk friend who is insisting on having another drink you can give them something that That's maybe tastes true. like it yeah. and you know won't it won't it will throw them off right because if you hand them a water they're like this is an alcohol I want something else and so like the perfect example last year we had a wonderful all-day drinking session for Kelvin here's birthday you know almost exactly a year ago. yeah almost exactly a year ago and um, at the end of the night he was really insisting that he just wanted another highball you know and he asked me to go get him a drink and so I went into the bar um, and I worked there at the time and so I made him a soda water with Angostura bitters and I know bitters have alcohol but whatever this is just about the point of flavor and so it was like the same color as a highball and had some of that flavor in there. And I gave it to him and he drank it and loved it so much and didn't know. He was too drunk to no notice. Idea. And it felt and it just looked like you had a drink in your hand. And I made that when I was working at the, when I was working at that bar I would always drink it too because people thought that I was drinking and then didn't pressure me into drinking more. So you like to trick drunk people. Is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> Moral of the story is you trick drunk people. Yeah, I love it. Nice. No, I, actually, uh, that's the oldest trick in the book. Is if you have a drunk, you do the, instead of short shooting, you basically, you build the cocktail backwards, so it's all mm -hmm. the soda and everything, and mm -hmm. just the, the top layer, like, the, for example, like a gin and tonic, yeah. just put like a, instead of like 45, you put like 5 ml mm -hmm. on the top, so it smells like it, it tastes yeah, like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so yeah, better. It looks like it. It's the same thing, and that you know your drunk person's okay. Yeah. Okay, guys. With that said, uh, thank you so much for everybody's opinions. Obviously, we're joking about a lot of stuff in terms of there's no animosity. We we respect the fact that uh, no APV is around. Respect the process. Uh, respect the process. Respect yeah. the process. Respect the deck. 
and respect the guests who choose not to drink. Yes, respect mm -hmm. them because yes. they have to drive. Yes, yeah. they have to drive our drunk asses home. Yep. So I hope my DD driver is not in the bar with me when I'm drinking. <laughs> that's a huge issue. I think that's a violation of my my rights. Yeah. Okay, guys, thank you so much. It's another episode. We've been drinking Jameson, talking about no APV. Yeah. Catch us next time. Thanks, guys. Bye. 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 Bye.